I'm not sure I've ever met anybody that has as many hands or stake in as many businesses as our next guest, Todd Solberg. Not only is he a serial entrepreneur, he's just an all-around really good guy and his head is on straight when it comes to how he operates his businesses. Um, stay tuned for this episode of GarageCast with Todd Solberg. We're going to do our best to get new thinking out there. There's going to be discussions centered around growth and new thinking. That's where those great ideas come from, exploring them together. Nuggets that you can go back and put into your dealership that'll help you make more money. This is GarageCast. Welcome to GarageCast. This is a first for us, Dantzler. We have an interview coming to us from a houseboat on Lake Powell. <laughs> on that vacation. Is, he must really want to do this podcast. <laughs> this is technology at its finest, man. We uh, our, our guest that we have on today, great guest. We're excited to have him on, but we were queuing up, uh, I don't know, last week to, to have him on. And funny enough, you know, within the walls of his of one of many of his businesses, you know, having some technical difficulty with computers and microphones and such. And, you know, we were trying to come up with times to schedule this podcast. And he's like, well, next week I'm going to be, you know, out of town. I'm going to be with family on vacation and Lake Powell. And we we're like, oh, well, we'll look past. He's like, well, I can do it from there. I got great Starlink. And so here we are. Thank you, Elon uh, Musk, for the Starlink. We appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, man. And and not only is the video great, but the sound is great on our sound check. So with with no no further delay, I want to welcome Todd Solberg from Marine Venture Group and a serial entrepreneur to the Garage Cast. Todd, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you guys for having me. I'm I'm looking forward to it and appreciate you being flexible and making time. Us. I, yeah. You're, you're in the middle of a freaking uh, lake. It, it is absolute paradise here. I, man, I can't tell you how beautiful it is. So, yeah. So, so yesterday we were at, um, so, so we took the boat up, went to this place that the Navajos say God froze a rainbow in stone and it's the most beautiful arch you could ever imagine. And, and took the whole family there, a little hike to get there and, and just absolutely gorgeous. If anybody has a chance to come to Lake Powell, it will blow your mind. Todd, that's super cool. I, I love the fact that you're there with, uh, I think, most of your whole family, right? And it's not a small clan. My, my, my whole family, yeah. So we've got, we've got six kids and, and my wife and then some friends with us. And uh, just, just missing my one daughter who is serving a mission for the church in California right now. That's awesome. Six kids. You did that on purpose. You're crazy, man. That's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work. Tony's got his two, and I think he thinks that's three too many sometimes. Yeah, no kidding, right? Tell me about it. Uh, I just don't so, tell the three which ones. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So how does how does the lake look? I know there was, you know, two years ago, three years ago, there was there was uh, a lot of stuff in the media showing just how far it had shrunk down, and it was starting to get to dangerous levels. How does it look now? 
It looks great. So much better. We had a phenomenal winter this last this last season. And and this season so far, it's looking really good. We had a couple feet of snow up in the mountains in Utah before before heading down here. And um, so ho- hopeful for a really, really good winter again. I think all the marinas except for one were closed down last year, or at least the launch ramps at the marinas were closed down last year except for one for the most part, they're all open again. So that's really good news. The lake levels have come up. I think they come up, came up over 63 feet this year in lake elevation. And we're probably down 15 to 20 feet from there. So we're still up 40 feet over last year. Hmm. That's, that's crazy. That's great though, that it's actually starting to fill back up. Well, that's fantastic, Todd. So um, listen, why don't, why don't you give our listeners an idea of who you are and how you got to where you are now at the, uh, Marine Venture Group and and specifically Nautique Boats of Utah and, and tell them kind of all the things you got going on. All right. Perfect. So I grew up in a small town in Idaho and wanted to do something bigger and 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 different than what that small town in Idaho would allow me to do. And so I went to college, got a degree in in accounting, became a CPA out in the out in the Silicon Valley. And my hope and aspiration was to become a CFO, CFO of a large company, live the corporate life. And very, very quickly, I realized that was not what I wanted to do. And, and so spent, spent a few years there, um, had a phenomenal experience taking companies like uh, Salesforce Public, uh, worked on pre-IPO stuff with Google back in the day, dating myself, and, uh, and, and just had a really phenomenal experience, but just knew that corporate America wasn't really what I wanted to do. Uh, one of my clients let go of close to 1,300 people in one day and showing up the day people got let go and the day that they, you know, the next day, realizing that it was just a cold and very, you know, exact black and white and, and nothing operated differently without those 1300 people on that floor. And it was just this cold, cold corporate America uh, situation that just did not sit well with me. So from there, my family and I moved to Utah, my wife's from Utah and, and we set out, um, and, and started working for a startup software company. Subsequent to that, started my own software companies, had exits on those. And it was in 2016 where I'd pretty much taken a year off of work trying to decide what I wanted to do next. A friend of mine introduced me to the owner of a company local to us in Utah called Marine Products. And I think we were about 15 minutes into the conversation. We shook hands on a price and a couple months later I was in the Marine business and, uh, <laughs> and honestly couldn't, couldn't have been, couldn't be more happy. Like it has just been phenomenal. So in 2017 purchased Marine products, 2018 bought another, uh, dealership in also in 2018 started three additional dealerships in another state, um, that I've subsequently sold off. And now I am focused in the Utah market. We've got six dealerships there. Outside of the space, I do have some other holdings. Um, so I've had some some additional software companies. Have you know a manufacturing company? We've got ninety retail storefronts all across the country selling cell phones and accessories. 
I've got a mine that uh, I have a third party operator um, that that runs that for us and a mine, uh, a mine. Like, what do you? What are we mining? Uh, just sand, gravel, and 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 clay product. Road base, um, helping build the infrastructure of Utah. And yeah, n- nothing sexy like gold or or silver. <laughs> hey man, you can say you have a mine. That's that's pretty sweet. <laughs> I'm going to start a mine on my property. I'm going to say I have a mine too. There you go. <laughs> okay. So you have a mine or steamboat. Yeah. No kidding. Right. Uh, okay. Keep going. What else we got? Um, so I've got a little health clinic um, that we, uh, we kind of help solve problems for people that if they're at the end of the rope, you know, f- physically with their health uh, questions, we, we help them find answers. And, and there's a few other things in the works and, and, uh, yeah, it's just been, been a lot of fun and, and it's kept me super active. Hence serial entrepreneur, Tony, this is a serious question. What's with this? I mean, honestly, I mean, there's, there's gotta be some altruism in it. There's some entrepreneurial spirit. There's some ability to make great amount of cash also give back because, you know, when I say, Hey, listen, you know, you got to mind the first thing out of your mouth was yeah. Helping Utah you know, build infrastructure. So I, I, I hear a lot of things going on. What is, is it just something that's within your spirit? Is it just something that's a challenge? You get bored easy. What is it? Usually it's op- it's opportunities, right? So if I think I can lend help and if I can add value to a, a project or a process or, or a business, um, I, I usually jump in at, at the moment though, I'm super focused on the, on the boat dealerships and and really have been, um, you know, since jumping in and, and these other opportunities, they're, they're things that are very passive for me. I've, I've got great business partners that are operating them for the most part, and they require very little of my time. I'm, I'm kind of, you know, you know, neck deep in the, in the boat dealerships. Let me just hit rewind here for a second. I want you guys to hear this list uh, because this whole thing started off with Todd on vacation with his entire family uh, out on Lake Powell. And I think a lot of us are like, man, I got to get through this this stage and work so that I can go take that vacation. And and other than your job, every every listener out there, uh, Todd's got six dealerships in Utah, sold three of them. But you got a whole slew of cell phone retail stores, a software company, a manufacturing company, a mine, a health. I mean, dude, the number one problem with managers who come into our management academy, the number one thing they struggle with is time management. You, of all people, can speak to this question. How the heck do you find time to spin all these companies up? I'm sure you have great operators, but what there's got to be some secret sauce there. What is it? Yeah. So, so visibility, um, visibility gives me a lot of time. So all of our dealerships, they're running through an API had, had to pull out my software background. We've built phenomenal dashboards that give me access and visibility into every inch of the business. And and same thing with the other, the other, um, operations. So everything's flowing into a place where I can quickly see it, quickly identify what is going on. And it makes it very easy to hone in on, on where my time needs to be spent. Top and then also a lot, of, a lot of scheduling. So you get, oh, you, sure. you got, you got to schedule everything, man. My, my calendar is kind of booked for December, right? I mean, I'm, I'm booked out, um, you know, a couple months in advance typically. You know, and no secret why you're doing this podcast with us on vacation at 6 a.m. in the morning before you guys get up and go uh, go uh, rip it up on the on the wake surfing 
but you talked about visibility and dashboards. Now, my question is with such a variety of different companies that you own, are the dashboards all different or do you try to standardize the businesses to meet your dashboard? So it's one dashboard that you're looking at for all businesses. Yeah. Yeah. Really good question. So for the most part, they are built to the business. Otherwise I'm missing the key points of that business. And so they're like the financial pieces of that. Um, there's a lot of similarities, all the rest of the the data and metrics that we're looking at, they have to be specific to that business. And, and I understand and can wrap my head around those businesses well enough that it's, it's easier for me to, you know, adapt my mindset set in that moment to the, the different businesses. Tony, you've said many times, once you get that second dealership, it's not twice as much work. It's exponentially yeah. more work. And so I'm just sitting here thinking how valuable that would be for our multi-rooftop operators to have some level of similar dashboards, not, not specific to that, not completely specific to the business, right? But a similar dashboard for all their businesses. That's amazing, man. So again, I, I, I'm trying to keep track. I'm having to kick off a shoe to start counting on my toes, but how many Marine specific dealerships do you uh, own? So six dealerships, six, Five in Sick. Utah, one in Arizona. Okay. Did, at Lake did you, Powell, all places. <laughs> on Lake Powell or not on Lake Powell? Uh, it's very, very, very close. It's the it's the gateway city into Lake Powell. There's no no closer, more more convenient location than than that city. Oh, very nice. Okay, cool. I got two questions. The first is did did you grow up uh it, you know on boats in power sports? Like were were you involved in that as a kiddo? Really good question. So not really. So we never owned a boat growing up. However, my friends did. And so I was out with my friends a lot and, and I absolutely just fell in love with water skiing and any chance there was a time to go, we'd, we'd go. A lot of times it was my friend's fishing boat that we would, we would rig up some, some rope and, and fish be, or sorry, ski behind that fish boat. Yeah. And then, and then it, it progressed in high school. We would go in, in ditches behind the house with a truck and anything that I could do to get a rope tied to something and get <laughs> in the awesome. water, I was all about it. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't always the safest. <laughs> True story. Um, okay. So, so you have six dealerships. What are your major brands and, and, uh, are, you know, I know the five are in Utah, one is in Arizona, but what are your major brands and where are they located? Like the majority of them. Yeah. So in Salt Lake we have, and I'll just go in order of, of what we, what we bought. So Supra Moomba, Alumacraft, Bennington pontoons. Then we did Crestliner and Ranger, um, at the next dealership, then Mastercraft and Crest and Yamaha and Natik. And wow. so, um, those are all the brands we have in, in, in Salt Lake. Um, the, the one store at Lake Powell is, is a service center principally, but is branded a Mastercraft dealership. And so we send a, sell a handful of, of boats out of there each year. And is that just one of those places, you know, it's funny because I'm envisioning like when I go to Moab, there, there is no manufacturer present in Moab because for some reason there's a belief, I don't know, that you can't sell major units when people are bringing their major units to Moab. So there's tons of little rinky-dink service centers, and I'm not calling yours rinky-dink. I'm asking, is, is the thought that they just are not selling major units at that 
place in volume or wh- why do you think that they don't sell more more units? Yeah, it's a really good question. So so people come on vacation and and typically you've already figured out what what boat you're going to be on before you get here. And so to be in buying mode when you're here is especially for a major unit is just tougher. Um, yeah. but but recently we found some opportunities that we're pursuing and and he could easily be a large volume dealer here for us pretty quick. So one of the things that we've done that I haven't seen anybody else do, but but again, kind of taking it from our software industry, we would always have a business development manager, right? So somebody that's going out there just trying to drum up business, right? So that the salespeople have have more awareness when they when they make calls. And so so we have a business development manager. And his job is to just go out and find new opportunities, um, and typically with with mass mass opportunities, right? So we can sell more than one unit, and and so we've tapped into a few of those recently, and and they've they've turned fruit pretty quickly, and so so we're hoping to turn that aspect around. The other thing that we're doing in that store, just to be a little bit different, there are no on water marinas in in Utah, right? And so. So we've added some additional storage capabilities at our store in in Lake Powell, and and with those, as people store with us year round, the opportunity for them to buy from us goes up dramatically. They're already there, they're already storing, they're already servicing with us. Well, let's look for those opportunities to take the trade, or or help them sell and and get them into a new unit. I think we have a lot of dealers out there who do storage. And they're happy with the profit center that is storage. And I don't think, Todd, that many of them are thinking about how to leverage that, not only to the next sale, but like what else can we do to keep the techs busy during the winter while the thing's up in storage, you know, certainly in the cold weather states out there. You know, Tony, we found Todd because he came to us through our Nautique group at the time, uh, yeah. the Nautique store in, in Utah. And then we did a dealer visitation on his store. And we went to one of his other stores called Marine Products. And I had heard of Marine Products in the past. But then we showed up to this building. And I'm going to give a reference point. Our, our friends down in uh, Florida will certainly understand this. But uh, when I was a kid growing up north of Tampa and going across the state with my buddy out to the East Coast to go surfing, which is surfing in Florida is kind of like uh, – it's kind of like mountain biking in Florida, you know, so I, I just call that cycling. It's just it's not really mountain biking. It's just like, it's not like surfing in Florida. You kind of just happen to be on a wave being pushed by a by a, on the board being pushed by a little wave. But Ron John Surf Shop was in Cocoa Beach. That was the thing. It was plastered all up and down every billboard everywhere in Florida. When it, was we were a, it was a thing of, of the 80s period, man. That's all you saw was Ron John. Yeah. It was everywhere, and it was in Cocoa Beach, and they have multiple locations. I don't know, like 10 different ones throughout Florida. I think there's one up in Georgia now, too, but that was the place. And when it comes to marine accessories, I would say that Todd's Marine Product Store is on that level as far as volume and exposure. And, I I mean, this the awareness that that is a place to go. And then we visited it, and, Todd, you can talk about kind of the part of town that it lives because as you're driving up, you're like, it can't be here. We had to take a wrong turn somewhere. And then you drive up and you walk in and it's like every surfboard, every, every, every single jacket, every foil, everything you can imagine playing in the marine space is inside of this store. So, Todd, let's take a moment and just break down one of your businesses, marine products. And like you started with that one. Where does that fit? Or was that just a catalyst that kind of got you going in the marine space? 
So it really is the place that every single boater in Utah comes. They, they come to get their accessories. They come to get their parts. They come to get anything that they're missing for boating, period. And, and we have a very, very large parts department. <clears throat> it feels like you're walking into uh, an AutoZone, a Napa Auto Parts. We've got everything laid out on the floor. It's, it's easy. We've got a full staff of people there to help you with the parts. Pro Shop, same story. And, and where it fits in is it's, it's providing what I don't believe anybody else in the country really has the opportunity to, to provide. It's a one-stop shop. We can fully outfit you on every aspect of your boat in one visit. And everybody in the store is an expert on what they do. We get everybody out on the water. We get everybody out doing it. Most of them are passionate about doing it. So when we say, hey, can you take the boat out this weekend and get better at at fishing or better at surfing or better at anything, man, they, they grab that boat and they run, they race to the lake. So when you come in, you're, you're talking to people that have been on all of those products. They use those products. They refer to those products. They check with the service team to make sure they're, they're giving the right, the right recommendation. And, and that goes all the way through the store, all the way to the cashier. Phenomenal experience. We, a couple years ago, well, back in 18, sorry, so more than a couple years ago, we were sitting pretty heavy on a board and it was just because the team wasn't experienced on it. So we took a bunch of lake days and we got them out on that board and it was the greatest thing in the world. This guy comes up, he just to the cashier, super excited with this new board and the cashier just stops him for a second and says, you are going to have so much fun on that board. I was out on it yesterday and it blew my mind. His smile just went ear to ear after that. And he kind of skipped to his car and it was phenomenal because the cashier, right? You don't expect the cashier to give you any recommendation whatsoever. And she gave him the most glowing recommendation he could have asked for in the store that day. And so we get everybody out. Everybody's on the water. Everybody's doing stuff. And, and we truly want experts. I mean, they live this, their vacations are the same vacations our customers are going on. It really helps to have the enthusiast in the role to be able to speak to that. And I think that day we were there, Todd, if I remember right, uh, there was a customer who had just bought a boat from you and he was inside that store and he grabbed a shopping cart and he walked out with so much stuff. We, we almost, remember we were trying to fit it in his car and all of the boards and all the stuff he bought. We couldn't get it all in his car. He had thousands, <laughs> Tony, thousands and thousands of P&A. You sit here and you think about we beat on our dealers because their P&A pro shop is running $200 per ticket and 1.9 line items per ticket. And this must have been 37 line items per ticket and 20 grand worth of stuff. It was so awesome. That store is uh, is amazing. It truly is. So we have, I was looking at our stats and, and we've got, you know, we've got over 15,000 unique customers that are visiting that store each year. And on average, they're, they're visiting more than four times, right? So they're coming back in for something else. And, and so, you know, that store's running, you know, a hundred thousand transactions a year just in the PA side. Damn. hundred thousand. You know, you know, the thing that always shocks me about parts and accessories and pro shops that are separated out from, you know, a major unit dealership is, and I always tell dealers this, it, it's possible they survive. They do very well. They kick off tons of revenue, tons of profit. Because like when you walk into them, that that is the business, right? We always are talking about how pro shops and parts and accessories departments are sometimes an afterthought 
in a major unit dealership because there's just not a lot of passion there or we don't have champions. Like you said, you know, we take them out, we get them on the product. And then next thing you know, they're smiling ear to ear and talking to the customers about the greatest thing that, uh, that they were using the other day. So I, I love stories like that. L- let me, let me shift gears really quick on you. So, you know, the, the economies that we just went through from 20 to 22 and, and, and starting into 23, right. Um, the COVID market was, was slower to hit Marine and Marine, uh, has been slower to rebound out of COVID than say power sports. What moves are you making to meet a changing environment during this rebound? Because, you know, the numbers are starting to show us that, you know, we're, we're flexing back into something that we saw 2017, 18, 19. What, what are you doing to meet, meet the new markets? Yeah, really, really good question. Four of our four of our six stores are up in revenue this year. We'll end the year up in revenue. Um, two of the six are going to be down a bit, and and so what we've had to do is not do what we've done the last couple of years and be reactive. Right? We've been reactive to the manufacturer. We've been reactive to the customer. You know, and and with so much more demand than there was supply. Um, you could almost get by a little bit being reactive. And so, so this year we've had to take and, and, you know, go out on our own and be very proactive. And I think somebody in my 20 group said it the best, right? We're out there manufacturing sales, right? So we're bringing people forward, we're bringing people into the product. We're making it make sense for the customer. Whereas before, the demand just clearly exceeded the supply and, and you could sit around in some, some ways and, and in some aspects and wait for the phone to ring. And that's just not, that's not the environment we're in. And I'm really glad that's not the environment we're in, in a lot of ways. So we've got our team just super proactive calling through They're They're back in the service departments. They are doing everything they can to drum up sales and and the those that are being super proactive are truly winning even in the in the current environment that is something that you just said that we have hit on i mean this podcast is now uh i don't know in its fourth season we've been talking about that period is what are you doing to cause door swings because it's all there for you you just have to want to go and mine your data and find the people that may not even know that they're interested in something and get them through the door so I, I absolutely love that answer. Well, and I think it's really important depending on what segment you're in, because right now I, the towboat segment has fallen off considerably on a rolling 12. It's down 20 plus percent uh, at the time of this recording. And so l- let me just ask you about that. What are your feelings on the towboat segment? Are we are we oversaturated? Is it uh, is it the fact that that boat in particular, although certainly not a cheap boat, I don't care if you're talking about the uh, value brand models from any manufacturer out there. The towboats aren't cheap anymore, the sport boats. But it's certainly more of a price point model than some of the premium uh, center console fishing boats or cruisers or, or yachts and stuff out there. And that payment buyer has been hit harder with the interest rates as of late. So I don't know. Put your put your wizard hat on and pontificate a little bit, Todd, as to what do we think? Why is the market down 20%? So I believe that we pulled some of these sales forward. Right. So so people that were on the fence, the the situation with COVID brought them into the market a little bit quicker than than it would have had had COVID not happened and people didn't have their time free up the way that it did with baseball being canceled, with soccer being canceled. So much of that, it just kind of accelerated, brought some of those customers forward into the market a little bit sooner. With that said, I still think there 
has been probably a slower upgrade path to those customers that we that have purchased from us previously. So there is a gold mine if we just go back and look through our current customers, right? Those that have bought from us in the last 10 years and and trying to get some of those guys to now buy. They they knew it was hard. They knew that prices were increasing at a at a pretty fast clip. They knew that their neighbors that were new and buying boats from us weren't getting those boats at the time frame that they were promised. And therefore it just wasn't a great buying experience for those that already had a boat. I'm going to make do with what I have now with all the technological advancements that have happened in the last, you know, three, four years, there's a compelling reason to get into a new tow boat. And, and because of that compelling reason, we just need to offer the value for those, those folks to upgrade with us. And, and I think if we do that, going into next year and the year after, I think we can still have very, very good years. Um, the economic climate is something that we don't necessarily control, right? We, we contribute yeah. to it as consumers, but we don't control it. And so we've got to control what we can control, right? And so, so let's be just ever present. There's still more wealth creation happening right now than ever, before. And, and so how do we tap into that wealth creation? Where are the wealthy folks? Let's not wait for them to hopefully find our sport. Let's bring our sport to them. And if we can bring our sport to them, we're going to win all day long. A follow up on that one, um, bringing the sport to them. How much do you guys do with targeted digital marketing, geofencing, things along those lines? We do a lot, uh, a lot with that. So we've got a dedicated team uh, of three servicing all of our dealerships. We also have some outsourced um, solutions on top of that to to go after that. And it is seeing fruits, kind of more the gr- guerrilla marketing of taking our boats to them, finding them on the lake, finding them in their communities, um, doing events that provoke them to come into the dealership, to come to a tent that we've got set up to come and experience what the boat is to get on the water to come to a demo day that's having the biggest fruit events still still massively popular power sports boating all the above todd so you know you've kind of touched on you have a ton of systems in place that assist you in running all your businesses and dashboards what would you say is the hardest part about running multiple stores and the benefits to it? So, so what is the hardest part? And then second part would be, what are the benefits, um, you know, outside of your dashboards and whatnot, it, it, it no matter what, it's going to be a juggle, especially when you're talking, like you said, my December is booked. You, you already know that you're super busy, but talk to the listeners out there about some of the struggles and then some of the benefits. Yeah. So some of the struggles, principally me personally, I love to touch the customer and the customer experience and now spread across six stores. I can't do that. Right. I, I will touch a couple of dozen customers a year. And when I had one dealership, I could, I could touch pretty much every customer every year and, and be, be involved in that. And, and I truly believed that that was a phenomenal experience experience for the customer. And, and now having multiple stores, I will touch, uh, uh, you know, a couple dozen customers a year and, and be pretty intimately involved. And, and I don't want to lose touch of that. So that that's a big priority for me is to make sure that continues to happen. However, yeah, I just don't, I don't get to touch all the customers. Also having things that are consistently applied 
from one store to the other, we might have one store that's doing something phenomenally well, and we have another one that's struggling with that. And, and so, so I can't touch those processes. And so, so really what, where we focused is having, having phenomenal GMs, right? We train the general managers. We go through a lot. In fact, we're doing a leadership series right now with our general managers, which is one of the advantages of having multiple stores is now we can customize certain things that in a one store dealership, we probably just wouldn't have done. Right. So I would, I would, you know, if there was one dealership, I would just spend my time there and and help. And now that we're spread across, we have actually formalized training. We have we have a full time uh, training person that that goes through and trains everybody in all the stores. And and to afford that resource on one location would be really really tough. And we still supplement. We use a lot of the garage composites training. We still you know we've got some other other twenty groups you know based on some of the brands and and we utilize their training as well. But now we can do some leadership focused training. Also having some shared resources is incredibly helpful. And the one thing that we do that, that still kind of makes me chuckle every time is, is our general managers across the different stores, they're really good friends. They'll, they'll pick up the phone and call each other and ask them whatever question they want. And, and it's usually a better answer than I can give because they're dealing with that day to day. And so they'll pick up the phone and then they'll try to duke it out with each other right after that, right? Like may the best man win on this next sale. And, and they're, they're, you know, competitors, they're, they're enemies, if you will, but they're competitors right after that. And, and so it's a really cool dynamic that we have going on that, again, I wouldn't call any of my other competitors and ask those same questions, right? But they can call their competitors because it's under one umbrella and, and get to a better answer. You know, hey, I'm really struggling with this service aspect. I'm really struggling to, to get my pro shop sales going. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with, with, you know, the sales incentive. Can you kind of talk through this with me real quick before I roll it out and make sure I'm not, I, I don't have my blinders on. So, so there's some advantages. Um, there's some, some clear disadvantages too, of just not being myself personally as, as personal in that dealership, just because I, you know, I'm spread too thin. Being spread too thin. Let, let me, let me take the long way around on this question here. So bear with me while I set it up. I think the I think when you go to a big store from a little mom and pop store, the, the goal is how do I keep that mom and pop feeling in this big store that may come across as very corporate or sterile. Then you start going to multiple points. And now we're seeing this massive influx of consolidation. Uh, we've got auto guys buying power sports stores. We've got Harley guys buying marine stores. We've got marine dealerships that also carry power sports now. And it's just like it's becoming more corporate. So where does the mom and pop dealer fit today in 2023 moving forward or do they, and where do you think this whole consolidation thing is going, Todd? Yeah. So I still think the, the preferred way to buy a boat, I can't necessarily speak to power sports, but, but for sure in the boating world is a mom and pop feel. You're the guys that sold me the boat. You're the guys that are going to take care of me. You're the guys that are going to answer my questions. Right. And so they absolutely 100% want a mom and pop feel, a corporate stuffy, you know, transit 100% transactional feel is not what our customers are looking for. Um, they want to have a relationship with the people that they, they do. And it's great. People will come into our store and we'll help them save a trip right? By, by getting service through their boat and, and, and taking care of every aspect of, of their boat, then as soon as their trip's over, they'll bring in lunch for the entire store, right? Or they'll bring in donuts or they'll bring in something. And, 
And so I, I think we are achieving that most of the time, not all the time, but we do achieve it quite often. And, and I would attribute that to hiring the right people that care, right? So we care deeply that our that our employees care. They understand where the customer's coming from and they care at the level the customer wants to be cared for. And, and the other thing too, all of our general managers are compensated like owners, right? Or as owners. And so because they take that ownership approach, they have the autonomy to do whatever is necessary to take care of that customer. They also get compensated for winning, right? They, they make less compensation if, if that store isn't doing well. And so because of that, I think, I think we're maintaining a little bit of that. Um, But it has been my biggest concern as we grow. It terrifies me that, that a customer who wants that experience doesn't get that experience. And so, so we're, we're designing all of our systems and processes to be just super, super easy. Um, The easier it is, the more mom and pop, I think it will feel to them. Yeah. Right. Right. Corporate seems to create red tape and and add a bunch of things to the process that just they don't feel normal. Right. It doesn't feel like I'm dealing mom and pop. So every angle we can to make something easier, um, we're we're shooting for all the time. Well, you sit here and you think about, you know, if I'm the consumer and I come in there and I'm asking for something and you're like, yeah, we can't do that. and And I say, why? Well, that's just not our policy. That's a store I don't want to go to anymore. Yeah. Explain your policy and let's have a conversation about it. But I I think there's a little nuance to what you said. There's three things in that one sentence. You said hiring the right number of people who care with general managers who have autonomy. And I think that piece in the middle is the most important because we get a lot of staffing, right? Some people run understaffed, but most of our dealers are aware of that they're understaffed and they need the right number of people that care is the big piece hiring people that care or training them to a point to where they care. I I think that little nuance is critical, Todd. This question really jumps out at me, which is, you know, for a guy that has played in so many spaces, you know, you've been to that corporate side where he said it was black and white can be super cold. You took a bunch of stuff uh, into IPO to mines, to storefronts, 70 some odd storefronts to the Marine space. So this is a great question for you. Based off of your experience in all of the segments that you've been a part of, where is the marine industry in most need of attention? Like, what is the thing that you see out there that's like, man, they just, we just don't have it and we need to find it? Good question. It's funny, as I, as I talk to other industries, um, people will joke that we're 10 years behind power sports, right? I've got a, one of my one of my dear dear friends is one of the largest automotive dealers in the in this in the country and he's like man todd you said you know the marine industry was 20 years behind automotive it's more like 40 years behind automotive right and and it's it's been funny to try to prove him different than that um but it but in a lot of ways it's it's very true um we we do think very narrowly on, on the processes that we have, right? We think very, um, and, and I'm speaking generally, right? We, we, don't, we don't look at our financials as often as we should. We don't pay attention to what the data is telling us. We want to rely too much on our gut reaction to things. And, and our gut oftentimes is right, but where to focus, usually we need to dive into the data a little bit and figure out what the data is actually telling us. Hey, I, I know we have a problem, but now can we use that data to tell us where 
the problem actually is and where to focus our time and attention um, to come to come back into, uh, you know, positive result or turn things around to create a positive result. And so I, I think that's an area where we're, we're behind and lacking. Um, we still tend to be a little bit too reactive um, to the market, right? And, and thinking, man, the, the interest rates right now, and, and they are tough, right? They, they have all but slowed down a certain segment, right? That more entry level or value segment in the market, it has slowed it down dramatically. But what can we do about that, right? What new opportunities are coming to light right now because of these challenges, if you will? And and so looking at those and saying, oh, wait, we still have an opportunity here, here, and here. How do we go and, and attack that, right? So again, I think really looking at the data, knowing what the data is telling us is really where where we're kind of lacking a bit. Um, and then just coming off of COVID, it's put us more in a reactionary seat and, and we just cannot be in that seat at all. We've got to be pushing things forward. We've got to be creating our own hay, if you will. I'll be honest with you. I, I say that often to my power sports dealers is the Marine space is a good 10 years behind power sports. Sometimes I wonder if it's the if the if it's the gross per unit, meaning just the you get so much bang for your buck in marine, but there's a street fighting nature to power sports that is is quite unique in how they can get stuff done in a volume manner. Not to say that they just volumize their product, but you know they have to sell many more of their things to equal your bottom line. That's very interesting. That's a really good answer. My, my last question to you has to do with manufacturers and kind of what's on their mind these days. You, you sit here and you think about the mission of a retailer to, the, to pro- provide this amazing experience, more of a mom and pop feeling that we were just talking about. That's just not transactional. And that takes payroll and it takes training and it takes having the right boats at the right time uh, without getting buried in flooring. And, and I just wonder, do you think the OEMs are in line do you think they're drifting further apart from the mission of the retailer? Because at the core, they're all, they are wholesalers. They have to move their product. And I think we all need to be reasonable to that. But where does the OEM fit in the business model that is tail into 2023? I, I wish I could speak to more manufacturers. I haven't really talked to um, our, our competitive, our competitors, um, you know, outside of the brands that we have. But I will say that our brands have been absolutely phenomenal. Every single one of them um, stepping up, trying to provide a different product that we're asking for. Also, taking a step back and saying, "Hey, um, let's be super healthy on on inventory." And I'm hearing it across the board with with all those that carry our same brands, you know, as I get together with them at at 20 group meetings, or I get together with them at whatever it might be, or we just jump on the phone and and chat with each other. um, I would say by and large, we are getting a phenomenal response from the manufacturers where they, they want to keep us super healthy on inventory. um, And they are helping in every way possible and in all the right ways. And, and they, they continue to be super resolute on building the best product out there. You know, it, it's been great. As I talk to CEOs of some of our manufacturers, they are spending more and more time on the manufacturing line to make sure the quality of the product stays as high as possible. And, and they know that, you know, a customer that is paying the price that they're paying now expects a better product, right? More yep. value. And so we as a dealership have to provide that, you know, what else can we offer? What else can we do to provide more value to our customer 
well, that I, I see the manufacturers trying to do the exact same thing. They're trying to provide more value to to bring the product up to the price that it's that it is, and 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 we have to. I mean, some of these prices have have really escalated in the last few years. Yeah, I mean, when you're talking about mortgages on boats, that's it's it's crazy how how big of a price you can get into. But um, man, people will pay it if it's worth the experience, you know. And sometimes it's the little things, right? So, so sometimes we think we have to do so much more. And, and yes, we need to provide a phenomenal experience. But sometimes just little things can make a big difference. I remember sitting in our in 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 a, one of our stores this this summer, and a customer comes kind of rushing through the door, and he's like, "Hey, I heard you guys do this. If it's true, I'm buying a boat from you today." And I'm like, "If we do what? Please, please help me understand." And he was sitting in uh, one of our competitors' dealerships, and he got a phone call from a friend of his, and he said, hey, did you know that the local Mastercraft dealer will take you out on your boat and show you how to use it, show you how to use every inch of it, and then provide you professional surf lessons? And he said, is this all true? There's no way you guys do this. I've been boating for over 30 years, and I have never had an offer to do that. And I said, well, absolutely. In fact, we don't just take you out once. How many times do you need to go out to feel comfortable with this? He's like, well, I don't know yet. And so we take them out on their first time. We take them out a second time. And then we see where it goes from there. And, and sure enough, within years of, of them doing this, I, I mean, sorry, within a very short period of them doing this, they start calling themselves boaters. Like there's mm-hmm. nothing that makes me happier when that customer says, I don't boat. I'm a boater. And, and so we look for that. We look for every opportunity. Again, really everything that we're trying to do boils down to two things. Let's make the process as easy as possible to own a boat and let's make it as enjoyable as possible to own a boat, right? And if we can achieve both of those things, I think we're winning and I think we're making a difference in the lives of our customers. And, and so sure enough, he's been buying the same boat for 30 years. He couldn't get that experience by luck, a customer of ours happens to be on the phone with him right before he signs on his new boat at that other dealership and comes storming through the door, just flabbergasted, thinking that we would provide that experience. And and he literally bought that same day. He bought within an hour of showing up at the store. And he just had so many questions, right? Because it was a new brand for him. Otherwise, we would have had him in and out of there in less than 10 minutes. Wow. Make it easy. Make it enjoyable. I always talk about remove the remove the friction and make it emotional for people. And they're already there because they want what you have. All you have to do is not get in the damn way. Yeah. Amazing. Todd Solberg. Thank you so much, man, for spending some time with us. As we said, people, this is coming to you live from Lake Powell. Uh, the, the wonders of technology. Todd, uh, Sounds like you're a fantastic serial entrepreneur and all-around good guy. Um, so for Todd Solberg and Sam Dancer, I'm Tony Gonzalez. This has been Garage Cast. I hope you guys have a fantastic Tuesday. We'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody.